Today's episode of The Outside World is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Oklahoma Sooner tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download the Game Time app in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. It's not about what the outside world thinks, it's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room, and the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Another edition of the outside world starts right now. I'm John Hayes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on air. You can follow my co-host as well. Jason Kersey at Jason Kersey. His story filed late last night on The Athletic. One hell of a story. Historic rally keeps Oklahoma alive in playoff race. You can find that by going to The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash the outside world and you can subscribe for 40%. Get all of Jason's Oklahoma Sooner coverage for the remainder of the season, as well as a bonus episode of this podcast, The Outside World, that drops on Thursdays. It was a hell of a story, Jason. What was it like telling what we saw last night in Waco, Texas? Well, it was crazy. I mean, it's the, well, let's uh, start by saying it's the biggest comeback in OU football history. No OU football team has ever rallied from down 25 in the second quarter or down 21 in the in at halftime. And so um, just a remarkable comeback. I mean, it was I, – I, you know, John, I really, like, get annoyed when I see people sort of use the cliche – well, any cliche, but especially the cliche, it was a tale of two halves. That, that – I don't know. There's something about that cliche when it's used in writing that really annoys me. And I didn't use it. Okay, I want to make that clear. I didn't use it. However, uh, it literally was. I mean, it literally was. The the two halves could not have been more different. In the first half, uh, Jalen Hurts was abysmal. Uh, The offense was completely uh, out of sorts without C.D. Lamb. The the defense was maybe at at some of its worst of the season. Uh, They couldn't stop Baylor. And then in the second half, everything flipped. I mean, literally everything flipped. I've, I've, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite that stark in terms of two halves being that different. Let me ask you this. At halftime, uh, did you have a lead written? Did you have a graph kind of ready to rock in regards to, to Oklahoma going to, to Waco and, and getting its dorn, doors blown off in a, in a historic loss? Where were you at halftime in regards of what you thought you would be writing at the end of the game? Well, I didn't have anything necessarily written. Uh, I think every uh, every sports writer with any experience knows that you shouldn't pre-write anything, uh, <laughs> or at least uh, at least that early. Oh uh, come that, on! That, that, it was that it was a, a twenty. Jason, it was a twenty-five point game at you halftime. That, no, it was twenty-one point game at halftime. Twenty. But, excuse but, twenty-one point game. But come on, you. 
Come on, don't don't give a journalism lesson to the listeners today. It's twenty five points, uh, twenty one points, and I'm and what I'm saying is is that uh, you know, but you when you've done this job long enough, you know better than to spend any energy or waste any of your time writing things that early in a game because if you do you will inevitably uh, have to erase it and start over I mean that's just the way that this job is I I had things in mind of what I was going to write I I was thinking about it but I I didn't actually write it down and 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 honestly I even think I tweeted I think I even tweeted at halftime OU's offense is such that this thing probably isn't completely over I figured they would get hot at some point what I didn't expect was that the defense would completely shut Baylor down in the second half. What the way I saw it playing out in my head, uh, you know, was that was that Jalen Hurts and the offense would get going a little bit, they'd score some points, but that the defense would give up one or two touchdown drives and that would be too much for them to overcome. I did not see the defense completely turning everything around. I mean in 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 that stark of a way. I didn't. Man, that's probably why you're such a good journalist and, and, and I'm not in your shoes because I think at halftime I would have had my scathing uh, column written about how uh, Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts went to, to Waco, Texas, and Matt Rule um, just completely dominated them and ended their season. But, but two well, quarters later, yeah, yeah. the different story. Well, what I was going to write, and, and I, I mean, I don't mind sharing what I was thinking. My, my thought process was, you know, that – uh, Oklahoma's offense cannot function this season without its best player. And its best player is not Jalen Hurts, it's CeeDee Lamb. I still believe that J- CeeDee Lamb is the best player on the team. Um, and I still believe that him not being there in the first half had them completely discombobulated. Um, and it took them a while to get used to that. I mean, ha- not having CeeDee Lamb in the mix was, was clearly affecting them. It absolutely was. And I think that's a big part of this storyline. And the drama that we saw is, is can you take us back you know, before the game yesterday? I know you saw him warm up a little bit. Uh, obviously, he didn't play. We didn't talk about that really last week on the podcast. When did this CeeDee Lamb situation start to bubble and become real and all of a sudden turn into uh, the best player missing the football game? What's weird, I mean, we there was no indication that anything was amiss. Um, and in fact, I, and I wasn't watching the ESPN broadcast, but uh, I was told, and I don't know if you heard this, that, that even Herb Street and those guys were a little bit uh, almost irritated because they'd done some interviews with C.D. Lamb uh, on Thursday, were not given any sort of heads up that he wasn't going to play. Um, so, you know, they said medical decision. Uh, I can't refute that, uh, so I uh, I won't try to. I'll just say that uh, it seemed a little bit weird that a player with a medical issue came down to uh, came to the game. I mean, seventy. The travel roster is seventy, and those spots are precious, and they need all of them. Um, so he was a part of the travel roster. He uh, warmed up with the team. He was in his uniform in the first half. Uh, I thought that was a little bit strange. Now, uh, you know, because because Lincoln Riley won't tell us anything ever, I have no idea what this medical issue was uh, or, or how serious it was or if he'll be back next week. We just have no way of knowing. Um, but it was weird. It was just weird. The whole thing was weird. <laughs> When's the next time you're going to get a chance to, to ask Lincoln Riley what the, the situation is? 
it would be Monday uh, at his press conference. So hopefully we'll get some clarity, but I wouldn't count on it. No, I, I wouldn't count on it either. I mean, it, it seems like one of those those injuries, those medical issues, um, disciplinary issues. I don't know. I mean, like you said, we, we know what we were told, and we were told that it was a medical issue, and I think as this week plays out, um, we'll find out no, more. But clearly, CeeDee Lamb, when, when you're looking at a, 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 a game against TCU next weekend at home and, and at Oklahoma State um, on the road to finish the year, CeeDee Lamb is, is an important piece. Uh, to this football team, you know that everybody knows that who who follows the Sooners, and without him, it's going to be tough um, to finish this season without a loss. I think He's, this yeah. this team is more. Jason, what do you think? This team is more of what you saw in the first half without him than than the second half. I think what we saw in the second half was a Houdini act by Jalen Hurts. Well, he's he's the best player on the team. He's the sort of guy who got OU out of jams. He got he he would shock them out of lulls with the things, or he does shock them out of lulls with the way that he plays. I mean, the Kansas State uh, lull in the second and third quarter was was completely changed by a you know screen pass that he took 70 yards somehow through a bunch of people for a touchdown. I mean, that's just what C.D. Lamb does for this team. Um, I, I think that what happened in the second half, though, was important for this team because Jalen Hurts found a way to rely on other guys. Lee Morris had eight catches coming into this game, and he had, I think, seven last night. Um, uh, you know, we saw Theo Weiss get involved. We saw Austin Stogner get involved. Um, you know, he tried to get Jaden Hazelwood involved. A.D. Miller was involved. A bunch of different guys were involved in the passing game. And I think Jalen was kind of forced to do that because in the second half he didn't have CD and, and there was really no choice. They were going to have to throw the ball to come back in that game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I look, the the thing is is that Jalen Hurts and I wrote this in my in my piece off the game is that uh, Jalen Hurts probably is not a Heisman Trophy quarterback. He's not a number one overall draft pick quarterback like Oklahoma fans have been used to the last couple of years, the last four years, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be that. He just has to be smart. He has to hold on to the ball, and that was really a problem yesterday. I mean, that's that he fumbled two. To, uh, he fumbled it away twice. He threw a really bad interception. Um, the fumble in the second half, I thought I thought that was the dagger, honestly. I, I really did think that might be the dagger because uh, at that point they were really rolling and it seemed like they were on the comeback. Fumbling going into the end zone when you've got all that momentum, I, I thought, man, this that felt like one of those things where Baylor might take that next drive all the way down and score. And instead, the defense stepped up. I mean, I look, Jalen Hurts... Um, played great in the second half. I'm not going to say that he didn't, but I think the defense is, is, is the real story of the second half. I mean, for basically now um, two and a half games, they've looked like last year's defense again. And then in the second half, they got takeaways. They, uh, they played aggressive. They got sacks and they shut them out. I mean, the, the defense saved this game. They were ball hawking. The, the the fumble recovery was a nice punch out on. And by the way, which was a, a nice uh, gain by Baylor. Um, if 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 Oklahoma didn't force that fumble um, down the left sideline at that point in the football game, Baylor would have been cooking again and and may have scored some points in the second half, which they did not. And and, and you, of course, you mentioned in regards to the interception as well at the end of the game that that was clearly. Um, 
one of the most important plays plays of the game. So you're right. Um, all of a sudden, after the disappearing act, the o- the Oklahoma defense is is back. And and what happened at halftime? What do you think the message was at halftime? Uh, why did this team rally around each other? Uh, a lot of times, you can you can really just go into the halftime locker room. You you can look in the mirror and you can say, "Man, we just do not have it tonight." Especially when you're on the road. On the road, why is the makeup of this team different? Is it the leadership, uh, the ability to to make this comeback? Uh, I don't think we need to overstate how uh, how great it is. Obviously, I mean, when you talk about his history and the biggest comeback in Zuner's history, uh, you just leave it at that. But why is this team special? Why are they the ones that were able to pull it off? I I, I don't know. I mean. From from talking to people after the game, it doesn't sound like they panicked in the locker room at halftime. I don't think that in the locker room it felt like the blowout that it felt to the rest of us. I think they looked at it and they thought, we've made a lot of mistakes. This is fixable. And uh, and so they didn't panic. And I think that's important. I mean, um, you know, I, 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 I'm going to, when I do my final thoughts off this game, I'm going to uh, touch on this, but, uh, you know, the, the nature of these comebacks is always amazing to me, John, because I don't know about you, but if I'm having like a bad work day, it's like the morning goes really bad. Something really annoying happens. Something uh, I get, I get, you know, uh, yelled at about something, or I make a big mistake, whatever that ru- that can ruin my entire day. Like a good lunch won't fix that. Like, the only thing that can fix that is going to bed and the cleansing power of sleep and waking up the next morning and trying again and feeling better the next morning. Um, maybe that says something about me. I don't know, but I feel like the, the idea that you are getting your ass kicked on national television, you know, that social media, your fans, everybody has basically given up on you and to come out and, turn it around like that because of after halftime. I don't know. Like I, I find that phenomenon remarkable when teams can pull it off because, uh, again, like I just think in, in my life and in uh, most people's lives, it's really hard to bounce back from a bad first half of your day. And we're not on national television having our mistakes critiqued by everybody. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're right. And, I think there's a key to this puzzle here, Jason. I, I really do. And I think that it's Jalen Hurts because, you know, Sooners fans may think that this is the best comeback of Jalen Hurts' career, but it's not. He's done this before. And, and, and it's not just because of the, st- of the statistics, right? He wasn't down 20, 25, 21 at halftime and um, came back to win a game for the University of Alabama. He came in the SEC championship down in for injured to a tongue and won that football game and that was special from from his part so there's a trend here and that trend is is Jalen Hurts it's it's the quarterback and and Oklahoma is is just spoiled I mean the embarrassment of riches I, you really have to take a st- second and, and step back and say to yourself wow as an Oklahoma fan regardless of what happens for the rest of the season you, you, you watched Baker Mayfield go to the Rose Bowl. You, you watched and win, a, and win a Heisman Trophy. Trophy. You watched Kyler Murray take this team to the Orange Bowl and win a Heisman Trophy. And now you watch Jalen Hurts you know, take this team into an undefeated Baylor and not only lead this team to victory, Jason, but, but pull off the biggest comeback in, in school history. 
I mean, Sooners fans, take a deep breath, soak it up. Today is going to be an amazing day. This week is going to be an amazing week. This is what football is all about. And, and frankly, I'm just tickled for Sooners fans. I mean, Jason, think about it. I mean, is there any better fan to be today than a Sooners fan? I don't care if you're an LSU fan. I don't care if you're a one loss. Think about the lack of hope that you had at halftime. And then all of a sudden you wake up today. You talk about that power of sleep. The ability to just lay your, your, your head down on the pillow, get, get a few hours. Which, by the way, I, didn't know, I know that you didn't get much of last night, so I appreciate you being here doing this show right now. But the Sooners fans who are, who are waking up today and, and they realize, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, what the, the, the different sort of – the different levels of success, the different kinds of quarterbacks they've had. OU fans really have been pretty spoiled by, by this run of quarterbacks. I mean, uh, again, like I said earlier, I don't think that Jalen Hurts, and I don't think anybody thinks that Jalen Hurts is Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. In terms well, can, of can, can I just his, stop you right there? I, like, yeah. I don't want to compare the guys, and the reason why is because like, this stat line last night, Jason, is honestly absurd. I, like, do you think, and, and we'd have to look this up, and it's my my fault for not doing it before the podcast, but before we're recording right now, but he threw the ball 42 times and ran the ball 27 times. That's insane. He's never thrown the ball 40 times in his career. Never at Alabama, never at OU. That was the first time he's ever thrown, attempted at least 40 passes in a game. He almost He almost ran 70 plays by himself. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. No. I mean, it is. It's 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 uh, it's pretty unbelievable the way he he is able to do that. Um, but you know, the the thing is that last night they also were able to get Kennedy Brooks more involved again. They made an effort to get Kennedy Brooks more involved again. I thought that was really important. Um, the the other thing is we we haven't even talked about yet is the offensive line. Okay, the offensive line was getting was getting its ass kicked in the first half completely. Baylor's defensive line, Lynch, was just kicking kicking their ass. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really – again, it's sort of the same thing. I don't really know what changed after halftime. I don't know uh, – I, I think part of it is probably Jalen Hurts uh, by himself loading loading the offense up on his back and doing what he did that we've, we've talked about. But uh, the offensive line, this is – this is a weird OU team. They are not as talented offensively as they've been the last few years. This is a point I was making earlier. They're not as talented at quarterback at, uh, on the uh, on the offensive line. And then last night they didn't even have CeeDee Lamb, uh, the best player on the team, one of the perhaps the best receiver OU's ever had. And they still managed to find a way to claw back and win this game. And I think what that says is, is that whatever you want to say about this team – they're, maybe they're not a national championship contender. Maybe they won't make the playoff. But they are gritty, they're tough, and they're fun. They're really, really fun to watch. I've, I've spent the – and I appreciate you for filling time while I looked up those numbers, okay, because I, I bring it up, Jason, and i got to think to myself, has, has an Oklahoma quarterback did, – did Kyler Murray or did Baker Mayfield have a game like this during their Heisman run – seasons right so let's go back to last year and, and look at Kyler Murray there there wasn't one game last year believe it or not where Kyler Murray threw the ball 42 times he was never asked to do that um, he got high up into the 30s a couple times including 37 throws in that aforementioned 
Orange Bowl against Alabama. Um, but other than that, there was 35 one other time and, and mostly 20 or so attempts per game. And the most rushes that he's had, Jason, and this might be good for a story, um, is 17 against, against Bama in that Orange Bowl. Um, so you're looking at a 37 uh, passing attempts and 17 rushing attempts in that Orange Bowl uh, against Alabama. That were his, that were, uh, his two season highs. Um, and then you look back at Baker Mayfield in 2017 during that Heisman run, and the most attempts that he had in a game was, was 41, actually, at Kansas State. I don't know if you remember that game. Um, nice, nice W at Kansas State. Uh, but he threw it for 41 times, and that was the only time in his Heisman run that he threw the ball more than 40 times. Um, and he threw it for 36 against Oklahoma State. Uh, he threw 34 times against Texas Tech, so uh, and 35 times in the Rose Bowl. He threw a little bit more than Kyler Murray did uh, on, on average. But as far as rushing is concerned, you look at Baker Mayfield, and and ironically, the most rushes that he had was was 12 uh, in that Rose Bowl against Georgia. And then you look last night, and Jalen Hurts threw it 42 times, and 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 rushed the ball. 27 times for 114 yards. This is the best performance by an Oklahoma quarterback over the last three years. There's not a good question about it. There's not a question about it. How is it? He threw the ball 42 times, completed 30 of those passes, four touchdowns, 27 carries, 114 yards. That is a heroic performance. I'm not saying. That is the best performance by an Oklahoma quarterback over the last three years. You're basing it purely on those numbers, though, and I, I don't They were down 25 points. It was a great performance. I don't know that I'd go that far. He is not the same quarterback that those other two guys are, just in terms of the pure, uh, the pure passing ability, all of those things. I, I, I don't think I would go that far with it. It was a great performance. Um, he also turned the ball over three times. There in you go. critical now, moments. Now, now you're getting somewhere. The turnovers is is where I think you could win this argument. Yeah, I mean, I think that the takeaways or the pardon me, the turnovers are are the difference here. I mean, I don't, um, I, I I just don't know that. I mean, he he dug them out of the hole, yes, but he also put them in the hole. It's like he put out the fire that he started because in the first half, his fumble and his interception. Uh, you know, both directly led to points that allowed Baylor to jump out to that big lead. And then he went out in the second half and fumbled on his way into the end zone. I'm not saying it wasn't a great performance. It was a great performance, and obviously he's a big key reason why they came back. It's just that he's also a big reason why they were in the hole to begin with. That's completely fair, and I, and I think that was a really good way um, to retort uh, my sentiment that that Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield never had a game like Jalen Hurts did against Baylor on the road at Waco. Um, if if they could have came through in the college football playoff, I might disagree. But but uh, you think back to the Big 12 championship game, uh, Kyler Murray was was phenomenal in that. Um, if, if Baker would have won the Rose Bowl against Georgia, if Kyler would have won the Orange Bowl against Bama – um, I don't know. I, I think it's a fun debate, and I, and I would love to, to hear from the fans on that. Maybe you could – if you could write something like that or maybe put out a poll, or maybe I will, and uh, we'll discuss later. And, and I would love to hear Oklahoma fans. Is that, the, 
is that the best performance you saw by a quarterback in the last three years? Uh, I, I think it's a great question. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, sure. I think it's something definitely worth talking about, and it's interesting to think about. Um, I just, you know, I just, I can't get past the takeaways or the, God, I keep saying takeaways because of Alex Grinch. The turnovers, <laughs> the turnovers. Um, I just think that that's, that that was serious. And that was, and again, that was a big reason why it, things got as bad as they did. If he didn't do that, then, uh, you know, then the maybe, maybe we wouldn't be talking about such an amazing comeback. Okay, so, so let's look big picture now um, as we, we think about the Sooners and, and surviving against against Baylor, which, by the way, to, to, it's so ridiculous. And and I didn't really think about this until later in the week, and I looked at this matchup. And, and now that Oklahoma won, I, I guess the, the committee is off the hook. But you know, when I was sitting there and I'm like watching Baylor just totally just take it to the Sooners in the first half, and I see Baylor – as an undefeated team ranked, you know, at 13 and Oklahoma sitting at 10, I'm just like scratching my head and like, Baylor's undefeated. They're smoking Oklahoma at home and this committee still has Oklahoma ranked ahead of them. I mean, that, that seemed absurd to me, but you know, just wait a couple quarters and things even themselves out. But uh, Penn State, they won in front of Oklahoma. Minnesota did not. Minnesota falls. So you're going to see Oklahoma make a jump this week, probably – by one spot, that's the only that's the only team uh, in the top ten that lost this weekend, Minnesota. But there's a big time loss in the state of Alabama. Jalen Hurts' old team, Tua Tonga Bailoa, suffers a hip injury, a dislocated hip, yesterday at Mississippi State. He's out for the rest of the season. Alabama improves to nine and one. Is there a chance that Oklahoma jumps Bama this week simply because Tua Tungabailoa is no longer their quarterback? I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough one. I mean, what do you do if you're the committee? If you're a, if you're an AP voter with Alabama, I mean, they're obviously not the same team with Mac Jones at quarterback. Anyone who's watched even a second of Alabama when Tua's not playing knows that, and, unless they're playing Arkansas, um, everybody knows that, and so. Uh, that that's really tough. Um, I, I think there's a chance that does happen. Uh, here's another playoff. Now, I, I do love that you slipped in Penn State. You had to you had to slip that in. I I, I, I respect it. Um, but I uh, what I was gonna say. Well, I, I guess like what I want to bring up. What I want to know what you think is. Last night I'm sitting there. Max Olson, our colleague, was at the game with me in Waco, and we were talking about this. If the playoff committee is, as they say, different than every other poll, right, they're not the same. They start with a clean slate every week, right? That's what they say, clean slate. I don't believe them for a second, but that's what they say. Um, They start with a clean slate every week. They don't consider their rankings previously when they're compiling their new rankings, right? So Baylor proved itself last night, in my mind. They are a top-10 team, and they should be a top-10 team. They should rise by at least three spots on Tuesday night, even even in light of a loss. Sometimes when you lose, you can prove yourself in a loss. They they should never have been ranked 13th in the beginning. They should have been sixth or seventh uh, last week, or maybe eighth last week. So so move them up to 10. That's what I say. What say well, you? They're they're going to jump. Baylor is going to jump Auburn, and they're going to jump Minnesota. They've got if, if they if they don't jump anybody else, they're going to be out on the outside looking in. 
You know, they can only move up two spots. How do they get up in the 10? You know, do, they, do, you, do you have to jump Florida as well? Yeah, they should jump Florida. Florida has okay. two losses. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I'm on board with that. Simple. I'm, I'm totally fine with looking at that loss column and saying, you know what, Baylor won loss, played well against Oklahoma, put him at number 10. Okay, I can get on board with that. Yeah, I think they, I think they belong in the top 10. I think they proved their worth last night. And, and I think this is a real chance for the committee to prove that they, they really are not ju- – they don't just operate the same way the AP and the coaches' polls do because sometimes it's totally legit that you lose a game and you rise in the rankings. And I think that Baylor is an example of that. Now, it's true that they played terrible in the second half, um, but you know they jumped out to that big lead – they uh, they hung with Oklahoma, um, you know. Arguably, should have won the game. They're, here's the other thing, John. We haven't even talked about yet. We're probably going to get to see this game again in three weeks. Oh, that's exciting. That makes me feel. That makes me smile. What, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I'd rather okay, see you that. Like, you than, like it? I don't. I don't want to watch Texas play again. Geez, well, I don't think that's even possible anymore after them losing yesterday. I don't want to watch Texas play again. I mean, I. I guess it'd be kind of exciting if somehow we got uh, back-to-back Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma State in back-to-back weeks, but I don't think Oklahoma State, I think it would take some crazy stuff for them to get in, and I'm not even sure they can. I think it's pretty clearly going to be Oklahoma and Baylor. Can I go full conspiracy theory on you for a second? Please do. I love it. Okay. Okay. And And this probably isn't what happened, but think about it this way. Okay, knowing that this this game will most likely be rematched, and remember, I, I mentioned the TCU game and the Oklahoma State game earlier on this podcast for a reason. I do not believe those are just show up and win football games for the Sooners team. But let's assume that they do win both those games. And you do go and face Baylor again in the Big 12 championship game, a team that took you down to the wire as an undefeated football team at home in a great football game, and everybody's excited to see the rematch, right? Mm-hmm. You know what would not make that ex- that rematch exciting is if Oklahoma went to Waco last night and won 50 to nothing. Nobody would be looking forward to that rematch. Nobody would be impressed by a second win over Baylor in the Big 12 championship. But now, after Oklahoma purposefully spotted them 25 points in the first half, the unbelievable comeback made maybe a rematch more palatable for college football fans, and the committee will look at that game completely different. And I'm not saying that conspiracy theory is true. What I'm saying is getting down and, and, and coming back to beat that Baylor squad ultimately will help their college football playoff chances more than beating them 50 to nothing. Okay, so let me understand this. What is the conspiracy theory that Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts intentionally got down by three touchdowns at halftime? Is that I, I'm I'm not I, I'm I'm just trying theory. to understand. That's the so theory. they went out and and uh, let's let's take it a step further. What if they didn't play C.D. Lamb for that reason? Oh, now now we've got the tinfoil hats on and we're cooking here. Oh man, that that's now you got Ceedee Lamb back in the Big Twelve Championship game, who didn't play in that thrilling win over Baylor, and you drop fifty on Baylor and beat them fifty-five to ten in the Big Twelve Championship game, and you can't leave them out now that Ceedee Lamb is back and he's the best player in the country. I I love it. We need some Zapruder film footage of Lincoln Riley, you know, <laughs> back and to the left, back and to the left. 
Oh, but but do you like from like a very serious perspective? Can you understand what really I'm trying to say? Is that like ultimately, if you do bring C.D. Lamb back into your lineup for the Big Twelve Championship game against a one loss or two loss Baylor team and beat them fifty to nothing, like the the playoff committee may look at that and say Oklahoma deserves to get in. Maybe, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think. I think that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, that game was in Waco. It was a a night game, a tough environment. Um, you know, they, and, and they and they made the big comeback without their best player. I mean, all of those things uh, could certainly play into a factor, especially like you said, if they win in a blowout in the Big Twelve championship game. What a what a final stretch run this is going to be. I'm I'm, I'm pumped for it. Um, by the way, if you're not an Athletic subscriber, I told you in the beginning of the show, I'm going to tell you again. Go to theathletic.com slash the outside world. It, it's 40% off there for for an annual subscription, and you can get all of, of Jason's stories, including um, his his column after last night's win, which was which was a great read. What do you have on tap this week? Um, are you are you working on anything in regards to this, this TCU matchup, uh, a home game, the, the final home game of, of the season for the Sooners? Well, I think it's time for another mailbag. I think I'll do another mailbag this week. Um, those are always cool. a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I got I got a few ideas cooking, but we'll we'll see what what ends up happening. Really looking forward to the game, though. I mean, I think TCU is a is a solid team. I think OU should win that game at home convincingly. What I'm interested in is what does that second half do for them moving forward? Is that momentum real? Can that propel them forward? Are we going to start seeing a rash of takeaways um, now that they got to in, in such a huge moment? I mean, I'm really interested to see how that, how, what, the, what we saw last night can carry over uh, in, into this final stretch. I also have some inside information. And... I don't know if I should put that on the podcast or we can we can edit it out if you don't want it on the podcast. But I've received some inside information in regards to the athletics Heisman straw poll. And are you willing to discuss who you put number one on that straw poll, Mr. Kersey? Yeah, sure. Happy to. Chuba Hubbard. He's the best player in the country. I'm the only person who voted for him over Joe Burrow. Uh, because I don't believe that it's a quarterback award. Uh, I, despite what it's become, that is not what the Heisman Trophy is. And I think that Chuba Hubbard, what he's doing is is remarkable. Uh, he's unbelievable. He is that enti- he carries that entire team on his back. I don't believe that the Heisman Trophy should be a should be an award for the quarterback of one of the top five teams. I don't think that that is right. I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think that's what the award has ever. It was ever supposed to be, and that's not how I'm going to vote for it. So, I'm not. Uh, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to slink away from it. I think Chuba Hubbard's the best player in the country. Now, I'm very willing to have my mind changed. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, heck yeah, I, I I put him number one last week. I think I think I and I sent in my vote for this week. I still have him number one, and I'm probably going to keep him there until till there's a reason not to. He's not afraid to face the music, ladies and gentlemen. That's Jason Kersey. That's why he's one of the best in the business. And if you are a Sooners fan and you, you think about it and in regards to p- facing a, a potential Heisman candidate in that final game on the road, if you 
And this defense, Alex Grinch's defense, can can stuff Chuba Hubert and 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 really take care of business on the road in Stillwater. It could be another check on the resume. There was a lot out there for the Sooners team. I think playoff hopes are still alive. Obviously, conference title hopes are still alive. Jalen Hurts, uh, even though we've seen a couple turnovers. Man, he's really got a grasp on this offense. Lincoln Riley is not afraid to use him in the passing game, in the running game as well. Uh, it feels like the season is is coming to an end, but Oklahoma is is in a position, Jason, where this season could could get a lot longer very quickly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We'll see. I mean, I, I still think they're going to need some help. I think that you know we'll we'll see how how things shake out ahead of them, um, but. But yeah, I mean this this looks, you know, despite how the first half went, the 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 second half if they can propel that forward, then, then I think they have a real they're going to have a real chance to make the playoff. Now, are they going to um you know, get go to the national championship game? I don't know. I I don't know if they're good enough for that, but you know, we'll see. It's this, that's why we love this sport. We have no idea what's going to happen. No, certainly don't, especially uh, when you talk about the the day after, the morning after, discussing the the biggest comeback win in Oklahoma Sooners history, program's been around for 125 years, Jason, and there hasn't been a morning like this one. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Kersey. Uh, follow his work on the Athletic. Uh, a subscriber only episode of the Outside World is is coming your way later this week. Um, if if you want more college football audio, if you want to take a look at the national picture, uh, check out the Andy Staples Show. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's also available on the Athletic app as well. Uh, Andy recaps the a wild week 12 in, in college football with Nicole Auerbach of the Athletic and Aaron Suttles of the Athletic as well. Uh, Aaron Suttles going uh, behind the scenes of, of yesterday's or Saturday's, I should say, uh, injury to Tua Tunga Bailoa and how that changes the college football landscape down the stretch. Until next time, it's the outside world. Jason, it's my pleasure, man. Always always good hanging out with you. Have a great week, my friend. You too.